Welcome to Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. This is episode seven, physical diagnosis, mass, but also helps manage mental illness. Now today I have on Laura. She's a classmate of mine over at Pacific Northwest. And she really has an interesting story. For years, she dealt with Graves' disease and still does to this day. And at first, that really masked many of her symptoms of her mental illness. So we talk about how that both hurt her, but also eventually helped really take have her take that mental illness diagnosis serious. We also, at the end of the episode, go into physician and student burnout and really how we plan on dealing with these issues in the future and really how we both dealt with burnout in our first year of medical school. So this is an awesome episode. I think you guys are really going to like it. And we're live. And we're live. Welcome to Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. I believe your episode... Well, like I said, I might jungle up the order. Episode to be determined. Well, let's so, at least cheers. Cheers. Today is May 1st, so we oh, just started Mental Health Month. We did. Yeah. And it's May Day, yo. Dude, and my homie, <laughs> Chad, sent me a text message. Literally, I read it five minutes before this. Hey, happy uh, happy Mental Health Month. Aww. I'm proud of the stuff you do. So uh, shout out to Chad, because that was really cool. I love Chad. He's, I've never... Uh, he's in my sim group. He's No great. one's ever congratulated me on Mental Health Month. <laughs> Or tells me, like, I mean, people have told they're proud of me and stuff, but, uh, so that was pretty cool and, uh, very fitting that we're doing this today. So, obviously, when you listeners are tuning into this, it's not going to be May, because I have no idea what I'm doing here, and it takes me a while to get organized, (laughs) but whatever. Um, Laura, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so we are classmates at PNWU. First year osteopathic medical students. Mm -hmm. We are three weeks away from ending this and enjoying our summer break. And uh, I'm very excited. I am as well. And honestly, I didn't think I'd make it this far. So, yay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, SIFOM, which was our first course, that mm-hmm. Foundations of uh, Medical Science or whatever yeah. the hell the acronym was, was when we met. Actually, we met before that. We Oh, we met before we this. We met before that. Do you My remember memory. Our, um, our service project when we had to do Jane's house. You oh, and I were doing that yeah. at the at the little daycare place. That's right. Yes, playing with those little with those little kids, which was not my forte, but you know, I made it work that day. So, oh, that is yes. funny. See, that is yes. my forte. I think I'm just like a little three year old in this twenty nine year old body. That's so. Yeah. I had a blast. I remember we were playing with the sprinklers and I that was, was like fun. spraying those kids. That in was the face. fun. Yeah, that was hysterical. That, <laughs> that was fun. Was fun. Yeah, I met you and several other of our people in our pod because we were, you know, I think split up by pods, sort of. Kind of, but I, yeah. But yeah, that was when I actually first met you because I remember you telling me you were from Connecticut and I was like, wow, I think you win for this prize. That's why you got yes. in. <laughs> <laughs> They needed to spread out their demographic, get some New Englanders in here. Yeah. But. So, okay, so I guess at that point you didn't know I was bipolar. I didn't. Course. I knew nothing about you other than you were from Connecticut and that you had just moved out here with your kitties and... And um, my wife. Well, and fiance. Your, and your fiance. Yeah. And that, uh, yeah. And we were all kind of awkward, like, oh my God, we're starting med school. Can you believe it? And yeah. But it was actually during Siphon was when we really kind of connected, though, because we were in the same microbiology yeah. threesome group that we had to do for our little, like, growth plate project. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, I mean, I, I think it was like a week into school, I posted that video mm-hmm. that, um, quite, quite frankly, I dreamed about for years prior to that, about, like, uh, people told me, don't come out about my bipolar disorder. People told me, don't tell the admissions committee about bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And ha! 
like I'm here. I love like, that. That was up. my favorite thing. And I like, actually still I, hear you go. When I hear you go something, I go ha. Like like Logan, ha. It's like see, I'm here now. So screw you, haters. Yeah, like yes, I wanted to flick off the it. camera, but I knew my mom would like never talk to me again. Uh. So you know, I was like, I was like, I'll, I'll do it eloquently. You yes. know. Flick the off G-ra- G-rated version. Flick off the haters without flicking <laughs> off the haters. That's right. So yeah. you, so after I posted that video, you approached me. I remember. Do I you did. remember what you said? Um, nothing. I, I remember. I think I posted on Facebook something like, you know, thanks for posting this. You know, similar to other folks, just basically like, good on you for bringing this to the, you know, forefront and being courageous enough to actually, mm-hmm. you know, be open about it and whatnot. And yeah, I, I don't remember if we just kind of sat down and started chitty chatting one day after a class um maybe it was actually because i posted on facebook but then i think i came and talked to you after a yeah class. i don't remember the facebook <clears> thing <throat> but, but i do remember you coming up to me. yes and then we ended up just kind of chatting about stuff and then i you know kind of opened up to you about my issues also a little bit so and just because yeah it's 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 something not talked about and it's something that um i think I, thank God we're in the age we live in now that things are getting to be a little bit better than they used to be. Um, this is kind of a weird tangent, but I watched this movie on Netflix a few weeks ago because I remember watching it as a youngster. It was a made-for-TV movie. It was, came out in 1987, so mm-hmm. that kind of dates me a little bit. But it had the girl from uh, Nancy McKeon from Facts of Life. Mm-hmm. She played Joe, and she played a girl with schizophrenia. And this was a made-for-TV movie back in, like, the 80s. Yeah. And I watched it, and it kind of made me really infuriated because it was like, we really haven't gotten that much further. <laughs> and it's yeah. been, like, 30 years. But at the same time, it's, like, it's a little more, I feel that it's a bit more um, approachable. Like, people are not like, oh, my God, what the hell is that? You know, it's more of like, oh, interesting, you know, tell me more. Or, like, how is that? De- how are you dealing with that? And I don't know. It's just, I think the, the internets and having just more of a global yeah. perspective overall has made mental health a lot more accessible to people and they feel more free to, you know, yeah. not be afraid. So. Yeah, and I mean, I get frustrated with the state <laughs> of mental health and how the progress, of course, isn't as fast as I'd like it to be, but hypothetically, if we were medical students in the late 80s, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think I would have gotten in. You know, oh, me I, you know like, oh, me I, I don't mm-hmm. think if I told them that I had bipolar disorder and that's why I want to go to med school, I don't think they ever would have given me a seat. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do like to at least appreciate that fact. Mm-hmm. And especially kind of hats off to PNW. I didn't, I didn't necessarily choose PNW because that was the one school I got into, but mm-hmm. I am really, really thankful that they were so open to accepting me. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's kind of talk about your story. Okay. So, I remember you told me, you know, you had dealt with depression and anxiety, and we kind of talked about how we had both listened to the Mental Health Happy Hour. Yes, and, I love a podcast. Yeah, it's just like, and we started connecting on that. So, yes. <clears throat> so, I guess let's kind of just start at the very beginning. Like, when when did you start to have mental health problems? It's uh, okay, so I'm going to say how old I am. I'm in my late 30s now. You don't look oh. it for a second. Oh, Laura. you're just a darling. Thank no, you. Thank no. you. Okay. <laughs> Considering all the, the stress, I, I'm surprised I haven't aged 10 years. Um, so I remember being depressed, even though I didn't really have a name for it, even in high school and younger. I remember having lots of thoughts of death when I was young, going, and I'm thinking other kids probably don't think. About death, death of others like, or death of just y- myself and just death in general what does mm. it all mean 
lots of car trips. I just would stare out and I'd look at the little houses and go, who lives in there? They probably will die in there. You know, just a lot of really kind of not really happy thoughts for a little kid. And in high school, my family moved around quite a bit when I was growing up due to my dad's job, which you know is not unlike a lot of people mm-hmm. in the military and what have you. Not as often as the military, but I had to start over many, many times. Yeah. And in high school, it was really hard because at that point, you kind of solidify your friend group a oh, lot. Definitely. You know, and yeah. I, I moved right between freshman and sophomore year, and I moved across the country from Indiana to Utah. Oh, and damn. It was, yeah, damn. There, we had no family there, nothing, really very little support system. Um, I did well in high school, but it was very difficult socially for me because I, I'm not Mormon. Well, I imagine, yeah. There was and a lot of factors. And so I felt like this, I had to keep the happy face on all the time. Yeah. And I got even better at keeping that happy face on all the time. Like I didn't talk about it. faking it, yeah. making, you know, making sure people knew that I was just this bubbly, happy person and nothing was wrong. And, you know, my, I had, I'm an only child. So mm-hmm. um, my family on my mother's side is, has a lot of family, but my father's side is also mostly only children. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was used to being on my own a lot, so I was very independent, still am. But I know once, you know, when you're in a, and I, I mean, I met some great people when I was in Utah. I still am in touch with a few people too, that yeah. were friends that I made there. But it's just a completely different situation when you have all your friends have multiple siblings and you're by yourself and you're just, it's the, the support system just really wasn't there. And even though I had my parents, I didn't want them worrying about me. Well, it yeah. Very, and at that, you don't want, and you want to be independent. Exactly. But That's you, what I was about to say. You want to be independent. You want to be like, hey, man, yeah, I'm an adult now. I'm, I'm, 15, I'm 15. I know how to do this. I'm freaking awesome. Yeah. yeah. I've got my learner's permit. Look at me go. <laughs> and I just, I, I, when I got my first car, when I was after I turned 16, um, I remember having this thought. I was driving to school. We had lots of hills near where we were. Mm-hmm. You were right in the benches and, you know, in the Wasatch Valley. I don't know. You ski okay. a lot. So, yeah, you know. yeah. Anyway, I remember thinking, and I still have this memory. It was a very strong memory of wanting to just shift the wheel. Yeah. And just, it was on my way to school, and it was very strong. It was like a really strong urge to just yeah. shift the wheel and just go off the road. And that scared me to death. And but especially because it's like... So easy. It's so easy. It's actually, I, I've kind of had thoughts like that even. And I remember yeah. even thinking like, I'm surprised people just don't randomly. Yeah. And, and I learned more about intrusive thoughts and things of that yeah. nature. And it's a thing. But I thought, God, I'm such a weirdo. What the hell is wrong with me? And I struggled with. And I'm know, assuming you didn't tell anybody. Oh, fuck no. Yeah. No, I didn't tell a soul. Yeah. Um, and I didn't tell. A lot of people, I didn't tell hardly anyone about, you know, what my thoughts were. I didn't actually start seeing a therapist until way later. And it was actually only because things had gotten so bad. I just Mm -hmm. had gotten so good at hiding things about myself, um, how I felt. And going through college, I, I didn't, it wasn't so much depression then as it was anxiety and fear of failure all the time, Mm -hmm. which is also, coming to a place like medical school, and I've, ta- I've talked to my friends and my family about this, imposter syndrome is a real thing. You know, Oh, like you, I don't belong I here. I do not belong yeah. here. They made a mistake. Someone will eventually find out that I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, I and, and coming here has been very difficult. It's surfaced a lot of emotions that I haven't really thought about in a while. And I knew coming in, it's like, oh, I know it's going to be kind of hard, you know, dealing with a different dynamic of people, but it's just been 
very difficult. Yeah. And I had gotten really good at just, if I wanted to do something, I did it. So I would try, even if I failed, that's okay. I, I, I was okay with failure even back then, even though I didn't want to, I still kept going. One yeah. of my big dreams when I went to college was I wanted to move to LA and I wanted to work in TV. Oh, I wow. wanted to do that's that's what I wanted. Now, where did you go to college? Indiana University. I went down. Okay, so you went back to Indiana after yeah, that after Utah high school. high school. Yep, I okay. graduated, went back to Indiana. So um, in Indiana, mm-hmm. you were still. Was your depression progressing? Was it getting worse? In no, college? it was about the same. The same thoughts were still there. A lot of inadequacy. Um, mo- it's really interesting. I, I, it's very chicken and egg to me. Because I, I'll kind of give you a little preview of what happened as I got when I got a little older. Um, I got diagnosed with Graves' disease, which oh, okay. people who don't know on the airwaves, it is a hyperthyroid disorder. Yeah, I'm a so, med student. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like a moron right we now. We haven't done endocrine yet, and that's fine. It's not my fault. Yeah, well, it's kind of like when you found out you had bipolar. What did you do? You did a shitload of research yes. on it, and you know everything about it. So I did <laughs> the same thing with Graves. So basically what it is is it's an autoimmune disorder where your body attacks your thyroid. Okay. So I had to have ionizing radiation to destroy my thi- destroy the thyroid. And how old were you at this point? In my mid-20s. So post college. Post college. Okay, so but... just so I and all our listeners kind of yes. can follow this story. So you were, you know, dealing with depression, kind of going through this through high school and college. It sounded like it was always present, but not necessarily getting better or worse. Absolutely. And I, at that point, I hadn't sought any help. And Nothing. were you using booze, other substances, or, you know, I like... I was a pretty good girl. Yeah. It wasn't until... I, I, I actually did some, you know, pre-underage drinking with friends, who but... Doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, when I moved off campus, we had some mm-hmm. pretty raging parties, which was great, but I wasn't abusing alcohol. Okay. Well, it just got where I... I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to move to LA. I wanted to just whatever. And I, I did. I actually went out there. I worked for a while after college to save up money. Moved out there. A friend of mine was already living there working at some office and I stayed with her and, you know, and she was also in the entertainment industry doing, you know, working like with producers and whatnot. And I got to working on a couple of shows for Fox. I actually okay. fell into it. I literally fell. It was because it really was a who you knew kind of thing. I yeah. had fellow alumni that just were like, hey, there's a third PA position on this TV show. You want to come do it? Sure. And uh, happened right during the writer strike. <laughs> so oh, unfortunately, okay. I only got like a season and a half of working in TV. Oh, do before. I know the show? Um, I did a few shows on Fox. There was one called Oliver Bean. It only had two seasons, okay. and I was on there for the second season. And it had um, it was kind of like a oh, what's the show called? A Wonder Years sort of style okay. show. And then I was on another one called Cracking Up. It got canceled, but it had Molly Shannon in it, and it okay. was. Um, Oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Jason Schwartzman was a producer and a couple other people. Anyway, so I, I was really involved with, you know, I met so many great people and I really enjoyed it. And I, I was just, I loved being out there. And, but then I couldn't find work because of the strike. So I had yeah. to get a real job. So I was working part time at a couple of different places. Ended up getting a full time job, not going back to it. And then at that time, I was, <laughs> So it gets a little more deep now. My, well, uh, <laughs> okay, let's pause. Let's pause. Let's pause. I'm, I'm yes. getting a little bit. Now, just confuse where yes. you know the pieces of the story sort of match together. They so, do. Uh, um, so after college, you moved to LA. I did. You started this work yes. in production, TV, um, and I imagine you know being around. Let's call them B-list celebrities or whatever they were. Yes, um, must have been very exciting. Were you still dealing with depression then? Yes. Or? Okay. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of get into that. My, um, I was in a really shitty relationship when yeah. I got out there, and that just. Have you ever heard the term gaslighting? 
Yeah. Okay. So that's basically what happened. I was in a... And was Graves, though? I'm confused where Graves fits Graves in. Graves is later. Graves, Graves was later. Graves okay. comes later, but I wonder how long I'd had Graves before I was diagnosed is kind of where I wanted to go with that. Because it's a kind of disease that doesn't necessarily come on right Suddenly, away. Yeah. And I had got... I, I You know, when you deal with a lot of stress, stress triggers autoimmune and... If I had been having issues, I didn't know it because a lot of the symptoms are really nonspecific, like yeah. weight loss, anxiety, high heart rate. You know, there, there's just a lot of yeah. things that, and I never, I was poor. I didn't have fucking health insurance. So yeah. I didn't get, I didn't get blood work done. I had no idea I had this problem. And then on the flip side, the depression is also a possible side effect of yeah. it as well. So I mean, that I, sounds literally like depression symptoms as well. Yeah. Weight loss, oh. maybe panic attacks panic is attacks, when your heart, heart rate spikes. Yeah. Insomnia. I was working horrible hours. That's why I'm kind of not really scared of residency. I was working 14, 15 hour days. I'd have to be on the call sheets were, you know, early morning and then they'd have late script, you know, write ups and um, what's the word? Ah. Um, alterations and when they'd have new pages so you, I'd actually have to get in my car this was pre-GPS and pre-everyone having phones where they could tell them where they yeah, go I don't know how to I get had to drive around LA with my stupid map like for everyone's house and deliver script pages and oh you know, my at night. God. so that would be a very normal day for me and of course they fed you there so it wasn't like yeah. terrible and it was exciting because hey I'm early 20s oh my god I'm working on TV this is great but on those weekends, man, I'd crash because yeah. it was just, you know, and I, I had some great friends, but again, couldn't really talk to a lot of them about things. Yeah. And, and so then you also, you know, you said you had your relationship at that time that wasn't the best. It was and not so the best. And so did that exacerbate, I guess, kind of the start oh, of really more severe depression? For sure. The okay. self-esteem aspect of it, which, you know, you've got coping mechanisms that you learn in therapy that my god i wish to god therapy was just a class you did in high school yeah or something i think i feel like yeah. every person could be could just benefit from some amount of talk therapy or anything because they don't hell they don't even teach you how to balance a checkbook in high school so let yeah. alone you know mental ben health skills balance, your moods, balance yeah. your moods so i didn't know how to handle being in this awful relationship it was like crashing and burning my self-esteem all around me every day and I, it took me being away from it to really realize how bad it had gotten to yeah. so i mean it, it's just it's very funny we you know side note we did this title nine stuff last night you yeah. know before that was due today and i'm writing it i'm reading it going yeah yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, a lot of it is, it's just, I don't mean to laugh about it, but it's like, uh, you know, because it, it is triggering even this years out and now I'm married and I've, I've, I've had a wonderful relationship since then. It's still, it's hard for me to think about and talk about some of it because he was so conniving and so manipulative and I didn't Well, and it's just it. like looking back, it's kind of... Because I have those thoughts, too. You yeah. Know, I, wasn't, mm -hmm. I was in a relationship, uh, you know, prior to my fiancé, but the breakup of that relationship uh, did sort of exacerbate a lot of my bipolar disorder. Mm -hmm. And I certainly was dealing with it prior, and probably that was a big reason why the relationship was so crappy is because right. I was ignoring my own mental health as well. Mm -hmm. But it's, to me, it is so common. And I've heard this, this same story kind of that you're telling millions of times, like, um, and it's with me too. Mm -hmm. Like bad breakup and then shit hit the fan. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So we don't. So shit hit the fan. Yeah. Although production wise, I've got a new job and everything, but it, it just something clicked where I was like, fuck this. Yeah. And 
on top of this, my mother was not well. Mm -hmm. So I moved back. Part of the reason was I needed to get out of L.A. at that point. A lot of my friends were starting to settle down, have kids, move to Portland, you know, the yeah. whole the whole story, and move wherever. I was kind of like, this TV thing's not working out. What the hell am I doing with my life? The breakup happened. It was like, you got to, you know, shape up, turn it around. Well, in college, I, you know, I kind of screwed around with a lot of different majors. My first major was psychology, psychology though. Let's go. My very first major was, was psychology, and I loved it. I really enjoyed the science, and I thought... Well, I kind of want to go back to school. Don't really know exactly what I want to do. And so I took some classes. So I was taking classes on the side of okay. doing... Okay, so you moved back to Indiana. <clears throat> I did, yes. Post-LA. So post-breakup, post um, you know, imagine you're not in the best place mentally there, too. No. Uh, and so for all no. of these years, though, you had felt depressed. Oh, but yeah. you m maybe self-realized this, but still at this point of the breakup... Had you talked to any therapist? No, I okay. hadn't done anything. And that's why I read a shitload of self-help books. Oh, okay. I was a self-help fiend. I Back when you could still go to Barnes & Noble and actually like... Did you go to the whole Tony Robbins? And I didn't do any no. of that. No, but a lot of, um, a lot of Eckhart Tolle, a lot of... Um, I guess he's not really self-help, but more meditation sort of like being in the now kind of stuff, yeah. which I still really enjoy a lot of yeah, his work, um, but just a lot of like, ah, gosh, I wish I could think of some of the other titles that I would read, but Well, you was... know what? You send them to me. We can okay. put some of them okay. in the show notes. It's fine. But a lot of that also helped with trying to figure out what I wanted to do because it was kind of all interplayed of like, what does it all mean? You know, I, it, it's, I think everyone kind of goes through that whole, you know, crisis of whatever but yeah i'm still depressed i'm still anxious horribly anxious i've lost a ton of mm -hmm. weight if you look at me right now i you know i'm i'm overweight <laughs> stress eating yay yeah, <laughs> Blame <laughs> it on med school. School. yeah. yeah. oh my god so it, i i was down the lowest i'd ever been weight wise because i stopped eating i wow. frankly just stopped eating um, I was working out a lot. I mean, it was an eating disorder. It was oh, yeah. not, I mean, it wasn't like diagnosed, but I mean, it was like, no, I, it was a control thing. I mean, when it all comes down to it, it was control. What do I have control over? What I put in my mouth, what I do right now, if I can go to the gym, whatever. And I wasn't in the best health, but again, hyperthyroidism, holy shit, increased metabolism. Okay. So maybe that's part of the reason why it was so easy for me to just drop the weight yeah. too. So there's just a lot of things that were at play. It got to the point where I finally, um, my mother died. So there was a lot leading up to that, but she'd been sick for a long time. And at that point I was going back to school and um, getting through that and figuring out. And then I, oh, and I got engaged. At this point I'd met my, my future husband and we were dating. In, in Indiana. In, in Indiana, So I you guess. moved from so, LA to Indiana mm -hmm. to be with mom. Be with mom um, and parents. And, yeah. Start a new life, you know, mm -hmm. post that breakup. So just just so kind of we get our bearings of where we are in the story. Yes. So, you know, your mom was end of life, and that's mm -hmm. fantastic. You could be here there with her. Um, and she passed. Mm -hmm. And you met this new new man who, you know, mm -hmm. ended up to be fantastic because he's your husband. Now. Yeah, so yeah. let's kind of put this all together, though. So when you left the, the ex-boyfriend... Mm -hmm. At that point when you were living in Indiana, were, were you still dealing with the, basically, um, anorexia at that point? Or at were you kind of like... I, no, I, I, I'd pretty much gotten, not over that, but the breakup happened. I decided to move home. I had dropped a shitload of weight. 
But then it was like being back in school again, or maybe having a different kind of structure to my life made it better. I'm not really sure what. I wonder、happened. if it's also a cultural thing. That、Because、could very well be. Because being in LA, you know, <laughs> it seems like everyone's fucking all crazy about、yes. looking sexy、yeah. and、mm-hmm. the whole、oh, nine yards. And、so. I had another relationship between them, but、mm-hmm. it was a real short. It was definitely a rebound one, but it、mm-hmm. was like, but it was way more. That, even though it went badly too, it w- it made me realize how toxic the prior relationship was,、mm-hmm. and made me realize even more about. I have a lot of work to do. There's、yeah. a lot of things I need to figure out for myself, and I stayed single for a while, and I didn't meet my husband. So I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but my life. It, this is kind of over the course of like five years, basically, is kind of how、yeah. that went. So I was single for a lot longer than I was together with these other people, and so when I finally met my now husband,、um, we dated for quite a while, and but it was like. He was so normal, and it was great, you know, because it was like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so up and up and down and down. Well, and, oh, so before、goodness. we kind of just get、mm-hmm. too into this, too into the details, I guess. yes, a little more high picture here,、mm-hmm. kind of thirty thousand feet level.、Mm-hmm. So, you know, post breakup,、uh, grieving, you know, process going through your mother, but、um, it sounded like. She was older, and maybe she really、expected. wasn't. She oh, okay. Was, she has diabetes, long-term、oh, diabetes. Wow, smoked her、yeah. whole life,、mm-hmm. and you know every risk factor that we talk about in med school. Every she had, she had issues.、Yeah. So, but it wasn't expected, but it wasn't shocking, shocking either. either. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way of saying it. Yeah. So yeah. Well, so、mm-hmm. I'm just a little confused now.、Mm-hmm. When did shit hit the fan? Shit. Hit When the did fan. you realize? <laughs> Hey, I need to talk to a therapist,、mm-hmm. or I need to go talk to see a psychiatrist. See somebody. Yeah. Okay. So, finally, I was working in Toledo. Okay, so I'm back in Indiana. I went to Ohio. It's right over the line, basically. With the husband at this point. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so you were so dating point, the husband, and、mm-hmm. still through that entire period up until when shit hit the fan, you were dealing with depression.、Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine it was exacerbated by your first breakup, exacerbated by the grieving process、oh, of、yeah. losing your、mm-hmm. mother. But、um, so let's get into it now. So, so now, now shit hits the fan. Shit hits the fan. What had happened was I decided to give blood at my work. Okay, so this、oh, okay. is this is weird. So, my my wife is a phlebotomist. So、now. there you let's go. Let's get into it. So should I warn her? Anything? No. Okay. She took. They took my blood pressure at the place, and they're like, "We can't do your. We can't take your blood." How、It's、high was too it? Too high. I don't even remember. It was a. It was really high though. It was like one eighty over like one hundred and twenty. It was、okay. bad. Okay. And I didn't know because、yeah. I was stressed out. I was so stressed. And probably at、so、that much... point, though, <laughs> probably at that point, that was normal for you. Oh yeah. Or that feeling that... of, I imagine at that point you were so stressed,、mm-hmm. and so your sympathetic levels are just going through the roof. Yes. Heart rate, you know,、yes. blood pressure, and everything. But to you, that was probably your、It、baseline because baseline. you were so used to that for so long. Absolutely. If you had, if you've ever had so many, like so much caffeine, that your eyeballs shake. I have not. So I... <laughs> well, that's kind of what it felt like. I felt like I was just tingling all the time.、Mm. Everything, like I'd had too much coffee. Did you have panic attacks? <laughs> Probably. I didn't know what that's what they were.、Yeah. I mean, it, it, and I was just really tired all the time, but couldn't sleep. Again, I thought it's grief. It's this. It's this. It's this. It can't be anything. You know, it's it's stress in general. 
you know, whatever. I didn't really want to put a name to it, but finally when they said, we can't take your blood, we can't take your blood, mm. I cried. I, w- I mean, I started bawling, and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? You know, and I, I was getting really weak. I couldn't walk up the stairs. Like, my legs felt weak under me. It was like, I felt like I was dying. I was like, I'm dying. Something is horribly wrong. I finally made an appointment to see a doctor, to see my actual primary care person. And I wrote about this in my personal statement. She changed my life. She really did because I finally sat down and talked with her and she hugged me and it was like, it's just like the waterworks. I mean, the whole nine yards, like everything just let go. And she hooked me up. She started, you know, doing her regular physical exam and she's like, oh, you have a giant goiter on your neck, which I didn't, couldn't see it. I had no no idea. And she's like, I'm going to send you off for some thyroid tests. And then that's where the graves came in. And then they immediately put me on a beta blocker because to stop my heart rate from, like, hmm. you know, exploding from my chest. And um, so at that so, point, did they think the, the high blood pressure and the high heart rate was purely related to graves? That's it. I, when I told her about what was going on, I told her exactly what I just told you. I've been under all the stress. And then, you know, I got engaged in my, you know, at that time too. So, I mean, there was a lot of personal stuff. So when I went in to talk to her, it was because of, I thought it's got to be mental health. I'm having, I thought put me on a Paxil or something for anxiety because Mm -hmm. I thought that's what it was. And she did. She actually did put me on a um, as needed, um, uh, what's that stuff called that is, that you take for panic. Oh, um, like Ativan? Yes. Yeah. Ativan, yes. Thank you. Um, which honestly, I didn't need it as much. After I had the beta blocker, I didn't need it as much as I thought I would because, okay. um, it's amazing when your resting heart rate is going so fast, you just assume it's because you're, it, it's, it's like my, it, it is like very D-O-Y-O. It is mind, body, spirit, man. Yeah. So your body is influencing your mind, influencing your, everything. So it, I I got all that checked out, and then once I got the physical stuff kind of taken care of, I was left with the mental stuff. Yeah. And that's where I was like, I still felt depressed, because then I came down. It was like, okay, so this is fixed, but why do I still feel like shit? Why do I still feel like this awful failure, even though I've got all this stuff going for me? Why do I feel like I don't want to get out of bed? It's hard for me to do anything I want to... What is wrong, you know? So it, it really took getting stuff sort of normalized before I could actually see a therapist, see a psychiatrist. And that was the next step, basically, was okay. I wanted to see a therapist. And I ended up seeing a um, psychiatrist who was referred to me by the different physician, endocrinologist, what have you. I had to see a couple different people because I still do because Graves, one of the side effects of that is um, eye issues. Yeah. I, we haven't talked about it yet, but, um, you know, um, Maggie Smith, who's um, plays in uh, Downton Abbey and things like mm-hmm. that. She's got the eyes that kind of pop out, yeah. sort of. If you, don't, if you don't have Graves for too long that's not fixed, you can get um, issues with your eyes where it starts. We'll learn about that next year. Yeah. Anyway, your listeners, if you're curious, just Google Graves and hypothyroidism. Yeah. Anyway. So I have to see an ophthalmologist. So I see a few different people and to make sure this disease doesn't, you know, progress. Even though I've had my thyroid technically removed, the oh, antibodies wow. are still there. So oh, you, you can still have problems. So, yeah. yay. So getting back now, because um, this is mental health. This is mental health. Let's get back to that. But see, <laughs> so, oh, I guess, well, yeah. okay. okay. So my, my question, I guess, so... Thankfully, the people at the Red Cross kind of at least were able to alert you like, hey, uh, this isn't yeah, normal. <laughs> exactly. So uh, cheers, out. cheers to uh, my fiance. That's Hopefully right. she can help, um, you know, people like that, too. Who... Yes. She probably already has and doesn't realize it. Yeah. So, well, either yeah. way. So 
when did you kind of start to really notice some improvements with your mental health and and why okay so at this point we still had lots of things moving and shaking so at this point we have moved to washington state okay so continue on so now we're here same issues though and we as you and your husband me and my husband okay so we've moved to washington state and so of course that's on the top 20 list of most stressful things is moving you know Mm. as you know as you're moving anywhere yeah and same thing so I got hooked up with a psychiatrist here. Awful. And I didn't have a baseline to really know what was bad yeah. <laughs> at that point. Uh, I should have realized when I started crying in his office, he just crossed his arms and looked at me like I was shit on his shoe. And, okay, maybe I'm looking through that like a different lens now. But I remember thinking, why am I here? This is this was a mistake coming here. And, yeah. he, was, and he was a D.O., and that's what really upsets me now because I'm like, geez, man. But I actually hey, got to know hey, him better. There's shitty doctors but, oh, everywhere. Absolutely. And I everywhere. And we I, will not be one of those. We will not, goddammit. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I decided to go to medical school was that that decision happened late for me. I, I Well, it's it. funny you say that because <laughs> the big reason why I wanted to go to medical school was I and I, I feel really bad about saying this too, but I had really bad interactions with psychiatrists as well. Yeah. And I felt like a phony because prior to me knowing that I wanted to go to medical school, I was, I considered myself a mental health advocate and mm-hmm. I was doing more public speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a little bit more of an online presence through YouTube and yeah. just mm-hmm. other resources. And I would encourage people, go see a psychiatrist, go see a therapist or whatever. Right, right. But now for both of those, the first psychiatrist that I saw couldn't really... Well, actually, the first psychiatrist I saw was in the ER. And uh, I think he was a resident young guy. He mm-hmm. he was a nice guy. But then after that, I had this guy from India and he just couldn't speak English that well. So oh, we couldn't man. communicate mm-hmm. intimately, you know, about suicidal thoughts wow. and then the really the tipping point was is i had this guy in california who i he did put me on uh, valproic acid and mm-hmm. so at the end of the day he picked a good medication for me that helped me turn my life around fine he did right. a great job but when you're communicating like we are right now he was facing and now listeners i know you can't see this <laughs> but looking at the wall to the side typing <laughs> be like yo i got you i'm listening i know i'm not making eye contact but i'm just taking notes like dude you douchebag yeah. like you're making fucking all this money mm-hmm. and i just remember being like i think i can do such a better job than this guy yes. and he's supposedly saving lives and i guess he saved mine in in many ways but I can do better. And that was really why I wanted to go to medical and school. And that resonates with me so much because it had been in the back of my mind. I was working in the healthcare field, but I was like, again, low self-esteem thinking I could never be a doctor. I could never go to med school. Those people are so smart. I'm not smart enough. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's all the crap you tell yourself of like, even though I had proven to myself over and over again, if I wanted to go fucking do something, I went and tried to do it. And again, mm-hmm. if I failed at whatever it was, fine, I'll find something else to do. So it was just like... Okay, so I, I remember seeing this guy, and he put me on Celexa to start. No, actually, I, I'd already been on Celexa because that's what the primary care person had started me on. And he told and me... wait, were you diagnosed at this point? Did they say, like, you have depression, yes, you have anxiety? They, I, okay. I, I fit all the, the Siggy Caps score or whatever it is. Now, at this point, did you accept that you did have depression and yes. anxiety? Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm so sorry, listeners. I, 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 I'm I kind of, like, all well, over... why I ask... Bloop, bloop, bloop. And no, it's totally mm-hmm. fine. But why I ask is so many people struggle even accepting mm-hmm. that 
I, oh shit, I guess I have to see a psychiatrist now and a therapist now. So it sounded like, you know, for years you had just sort of ignored these things mm-hmm. or maybe thought they were normal. So that experience at a Red Cross really motivated you to actually take this serious. Yes, absolutely. And it wasn't just the medical diagnosis of having the graves. It was the fact that I really needed to talk to someone. I hadn't been processing my grief for many things. And it just got, I, I wish I could think of what the actual real turning point was. It was it, it, when I was in the office. Oh, I remember. I actually wrote everything down because when you, I don't know, being manic, when you have that like high, you get great ideas, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you think, okay. And I remember thinking, I need to write this down before I forget or before I am so fogged up that I'm not going to, if I go into the doctor's office, I will just say the standard, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Yeah. I can't do that next time I go in. So it was like a conscious decision to really, okay, I'm already here. I need to, I need to figure, I need to figure it out. So I wrote it down how I was feeling about my mom, about all the things I've just kind of outlined to you, outlined to you guys. And I, that, and then the questions that my doctor was asking me was pretty much like, yes, you have major depressive disorder. Yeah. So, and I remember thinking like, well, duh, you know, but, but at the same time I, I was accepting because I was like, okay, let's fix it. Let's, yeah. let's do something. Cause I, I can't keep going like this. I, I hadn't, I, d- I don't have a really dramatic story where I was ready to just, you know, end it all or anything. I'd had suicidal thoughts, but I think everyone kind of does at some point in their life. They think about what would happen, you know, mm. what, what if, what if I just didn't exist tomorrow or, you know, I, maybe I'm being naive, but I, I, I just, it wasn't, I, don't think I, I just feel like everyone sort of faces that sort of mm-hmm. question at some point. But for me, it was, I was thinking it a lot more frequently than I probably should have. But again, now that my medical diagnosis was starting to get under control, I was left with all this mental crap that needed to be processed, needed to be dealt with. Um, so the first line therapy they put me on was Celexa because they thought, okay, you need, it, it's pretty well tolerated in most people. It's a pretty, you know, it's an SSRI and it, it's, um, you know, and it's fairly cheap when you get it, yeah. uh, you know, so it, it they put me on it and of course it takes time and a lot of things just take time to really start working. And in the meantime, she also set me up with a therapist okay. and uh, she's a PhD and I, you know, it's, I, I don't see her anymore, but I actually still have her and everything in case did I need to. Did you enjoy that first therapist that you were I with? did. I did okay. enjoy the therapist. The psychiatrist, not so much because the primary care had put me on the Celexa and then it referred me to a psychiatrist and a psychologist for therapy because she knew that I needed talk therapy and most, and, but she also knew that she wasn't really comfortable, uh, managing me, um, long term for, you know, on the, on the mental health. She thought it'd be better to see a psychiatrist, which yeah. I agreed. And at the time I had good insurance too. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we can go into this too, but if I didn't have good insurance, I don't know what would have happened, yeah. honestly, because I probably would have been like, fuck that, I'm not taking this month that costs us my money. And yeah. Maybe I would have still seen a therapist. Maybe not. I don't know. Because even with my copay, it was still pretty, you know, expensive. It was still yeah. like 40 bucks a shot, you know. And it's like I was still not working, you know, great job. But it was extra, you know, and I was going every other week, basically. Oh, yeah. I ended up going every other week. But um, loved her. She actually, I got really lucky, everybody. I, a lot of people do not luck out with their therapist. They don't click or they're, they just, you know, they're not... There's lots of bad therapists out there from what I've heard on other yeah. people's and, experiences. And so <clears throat> I, you I, you got very lucky. I did. Because I, it was like, like it one was... out of two, I got a shitty psychiatrist and then I got a great therapist that I could just go run to and go, 
And I bitched to her about well, him too. And the the <laughs> the market have you the market of mental health is set up difficult for consumers like me and you because mm. What I always tell people is you can sort of pick your therapist, but you're not going to be able to pick your psychiatrist. Uh-uh. No, it's There's so little psychiatrists out yeah. there. You mm-hmm. can't get in that. Hey, listen, I'm sorry you had a shitty one, but yep. there's just not enough out there. Exactly. Um, hopefully, we're, you know, me and you are going to contribute to improving the quality mm-hmm. of psychiatrists, but, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Now, but at least therapists, there are significantly more therapists than psychiatrists. And there's different types, too. There's so yeah. many different kinds out so there. The so the first therapist yeah. I got set up with yeah. did not work well for me. Oh, no. I uh, I remember I called, like, the EAP line. I was working at Hanover Insurance at the time, and uh, it was employee assistance program. It mm-hmm. was. And, oh, we had that too. Yeah, and they helped. They helped <laughs> yeah, hook me up with the uh-huh. with a therapist in town, and mm-hmm. and they kind of. It was really nice. They scheduled the appointment for me. I didn't have to do anything. It was beautiful. Um, then I remember I showed up for the first day, and this is my first therapist appointment ever in my life. You know, leaving the psych ward, I'm freaking terrified oh and so gosh. embarrassed. Didn't want anyone yeah. to see me. I didn't realize until I pulled up and parked. It was in the back of a church. Hmm. <laughs> and I mean, for the listeners out there, I did grow up in a Christian home, but mm-hmm. right now and pr- at that time of my life, uh, I, I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. And so walking in, I was like, oh God, this is just <laughs> not going to be good. Yeah. Our first therapy session started with him reading some verses out of the Bible. Oh man. And I walked out after five <gasps> minutes. <laughs> and so. I don't need to laugh, but that sounds like a curb your enthusiasm. Yes. <laughs> like Larry just stands up and leaves. <laughs> well, I was just like, I was like, sir. I'll pay you, but this ain't going to work for me. Wow. Oh, my God. So, thankfully, you know, I was able to find another therapist. Oddly enough, the next therapist I found was um, very Jewish. He wore a yarmulke. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the very get-go, I kind of made it clear that I didn't want to have any really religious focus. And I made, we talked about my religious feelings and preferences. And... It was just totally different. You know, mm-hmm. his office wasn't in, a, of course, a temple or anything like that. And we would talk about just lessons from even Christianity or uh, Buddhism mm-hmm. or uh, Judaism and how I can still use those lessons in meditation practices, mm-hmm. even though me, I am an atheist. Right. And so right. it was, I, thankfully, that was, I think, the third therapist that I saw. But really what I always tell people is, it's like dating. Like oh, it's, God, it's yes. okay if you don't like the first therapist that mm-hmm. you see. And in many ways, I think it's, I think it's sort of weird or, or maybe in your case, just lucky if it's the first person. Like you should try out. A you few. should. You really, yeah. really should. And like I said, I got very lucky, but I also, um, I also know that there were things that I, I, I don't, I don't see her anymore. But I wouldn't be. I, I would actually be okay with finding another therapist because even seeing her. I got a lot out of it, but it got to the point where, and listeners might have this issue too, where you get to the point where you just don't have anything else to really... You max out. You max... Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect term. And that's kind of what happened. Come on, we're weightlifters here. Yeah. Oh my God. <clears throat> it's like, I've got max mad out. gains, yo. And yeah. I, I I maxed out with this woman. And I, and it was also kind of like a breakup in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I remember making the call to her saying, I don't think I really need to see you right now anymore. Yeah. And of course, she's fine with it because she's a professional. And that's, that's what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to... Take the tools, use them, and then check in. It, you know, after you know, you mm-hmm. kind of sort through your shit. And now that we're in medical school, it's like, holy Jesus! I need it even more so than ever now. But now, who can find the time? 
And I haven't found anybody here in school yet, even though we have the resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my weakness right now is I know I need to check in with her either back in back in home or I need to find someone new again because that's another reason why I was really happy you wanted me to ha- wanted to have me on this podcast because I think a lot of people think that once it's solved you're done and that you you know okay I'm fixed and it's it, it's not it, we are such works in progress is yeah <laughs> and that is life in general is that it's always going to be something and even if you have all the tools, sometimes you don't know how the hell to use them or you might need a different way to use them. You know, it's like, I, I don't, uh, yeah. So I still find I need guidance and, yeah. and, and, that, and that's okay. And, but I'm still dealing with in myself this fear of failure and fear of, um, somewhat missing out. Um, I think being around all these young, young folks here at school, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really invigorating, but it's also like, oh my gosh, everyone has their own little clicks that I just never really clicked with anyone when we got here. I, I mean, I, I clicked with you. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I feel like I get along with people really well, but I never really found a, a really solid like friend group. Yeah. And, you know, cause I have my husband and that's great, but he's not, he doesn't live with me. He's, yeah. he's back home. So I don't see him. I mean, we FaceTime and do all that kind of stuff, but, um, well, just yeah. so, so we're here in Yakima. Husband yes. lives in, in Spokane. Mm-hmm. So three hour difference. So yeah, dealing with that long distance is very challenging. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, your husband lives three hours away. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that's taxing and difficult. Mm-hmm. So you, you noticed you were making some improvements. Um, with the therapist, and then you said you felt maxed out, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you're living your life. You're yes. you're doing great. You're oh, yeah. you're med you made it to med happening. school. Yeah, throughout all well, of this, of seeing what her. you said really <clears throat> kind of reminded me of what's going on kind of with me. And because I mean, when I initially got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was really serious about taking it. I was really serious about taking it serious. What a dumb sentence. But <laughs> he's totally serious, yo. Yeah. He's so serious. But why why I took it serious? <laughs> why did you take it serious? Is I was terrified because mm-hmm. my uncle had bipolar disorder and killed himself. Oh wow. And so from the get-go, I I kind of thought that's what I was destined for. Mm-hmm. And so I was just really I was really good about taking my pills. I wanted to go see a therapist cuz you know, I I saw the pain mm-hmm. that suicide caused um, you know, obviously to the person that died, but everyone else in that family and friend network that just, it, it causes pain for, for really eternity. Oh, it's a domino effect. Yeah. Forever. Because yeah. everyone mm-hmm. who's around that person questions, like, what could I have said? What could I have mm-hmm. done that made that person not do that horrific act? And so why I'm telling this story is for the first few years of my bipolar diagnosis, I, I did amazing mentally and I was journaling, I was meditating, I was exercising really well and it was a little easier. Can, at that point in my life I was working, um, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, a full time mm-hmm. job, but you know, you get off at five o'clock, then I have the night to, to myself. Right. And so I was making these mental health, um, advancements and I was getting much better about managing my diagnosis. And then I started doing more mental health advocacy and mm-hmm. I wanted to help others mm-hmm. with um, their own issues and that was very therapeutic in my own right and very satisfying and made me feel so well but I can see where the burnout from our medical students and also eventually physicians come from because I have this desire to help other people's out 
so much that I forget about myself. Very, very easy. And to like today, I to went do. into the primary care doctor, and I just kind of and I've been talking about this with my wife quite a bit. I was like, listen, I I gotta get it back together here. I was like, my sleep's been shit. Mm-hmm. My moods have been not great. Um, I need I need to go see a therapist again. Mm-hmm. I need to get back to the basics that I I used to do mm-hmm. of thinking of the patient as me first. And I know I'm going to be a doctor caring for all these patients throughout my career. It still has to be me first. Yeah. And it has to be like I have to put my mental health first before I take care of anyone else's because oh, I started sure. to deteriorate and. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I'm here in Yakima. I'm kind of right back to the struggle I was seven years ago. And now at least I'm more knowledgeable, but I, I have to find a therapist. I have to find a psychiatrist. I haven't mm-hmm. seen a psychiatrist in about four years. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of now realizing like the cyclic nature of mental illness that mm-hmm. I had this shit so well taken mm-hmm. care of. And it's certainly not nearly as bad as it was, you know, psych ward and I, Right. It's, it's so right. far different than that. But I've noticed over the last nine months, yeah, I've been able to pass all my classes, mm-hmm. but my mental health has deteriorated. Absolutely. My my quality of my relationship with my fiance has mm-hmm. deteriorated and and that's not okay. And I know moving forward I gotta put myself first if I'm gonna be a high quality doctor. Oh, amen, brother. I I I hear you so well because that it just that really, really Oh, that's exactly how I've been feeling too. I think also knowing that we're kind of wrapping up this first year, we've been kind of going on, you know, autopilot this whole time trying to stay above water. And yeah, it's really easy to just let it go, let your you know good habits go. And my good habits, my meditation habits have gone to shit, everything. And I, I you know, it, it, oh, it's, it's very easy to just it's easy to put it to the back burner and think, well, I got to take care of all this other stuff first. And, and it's like, yes. oh, well, passing anatomy is more important than <laughs> yeah. than my stress right now. <laughs> right. Or, you know, something right. like that. And, and I get it. Yes. You know, we, we've both been there. It's a very, it's very expensive investment that we have going on, if you yeah. think about it. So there's a lot at stake and we want to do well because we want to do well for our patients too. But like you said, we need to... Remember that you got to put on your own oxygen mask first. That whole, you know, spiel yeah. because it's very true because you're not going to be much help to somebody. And I look back now, I'm trying to have more of a, uh, as I've gotten older, try to be a lot more open-minded about what are other people going through. I think it's really easy to pass judgment. And I, I really want to just sort of encourage people to, you know, if someone cuts you off or something, you know, you always think, well, maybe they're, they're just an asshole. It's like, well, maybe he has horrible diarrhea and he's got to get home, you know? Yeah. Or I like to think now with my old bad therapist that was terrible, what was he going through? Was he burnt out? Is that why he treated me the way he did? Maybe he needed to see somebody and he wasn't. He wasn't doing good self-care. Was it, you know, I'm, well, I'm and what Well, and oddly enough, maybe... Maybe he was a great therapist for somebody else and right. just didn't and work just, great for you. Exactly. And I mean, it, it. so I'm trying to be a lot more open to other perspectives of, you know, what is how what are other people dealing with right now? And it's like, because it's, it's very easy to not just take things personally, but you're, we're, all, we're so wrapped up into how we're doing all the time because we want to make sure that we're succeeding and we're doing well. And it's just, it, I think it makes it easier to kind of say, all right, well... Okay, I I'm gonna deal with what my shit is right now, but I wonder what this person's up to. Like, why are they doing the things they're doing, and and being okay with it. I think that's the other part is being accepting, knowing that 
I'm not going to have all the answers. With future doctors, we are not going to have all the answers. That's mm -hmm. why we have the physician's desk reference. That's why things like that exist is because we learn all this shit now. Think of all the crap that we've forgotten from first semester anatomy. Now, that yeah. scares the crap of anatomy. It's like, going, yeah, oh, my God, we got a final in like two weeks of, yeah. of everything. But, uh, I mean... They, yeah, I'm sure Dr. Rhodes is probably like, unless she didn't do this every day, she'd forget like what innervates the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, we'll just get better and better at what we do, but we still can't be expected to know everything. We're, we're not, and we shouldn't put ourselves under that kind of pressure. We need to make sure that we are helping ourselves and, you know, remembering and remembering like, okay, so your wife and my husband, like they're, he's my main support structure right now basically and just thanking them for being who they are and mm -hmm. you know not just putting up with me but just you know no you can do that thanks for putting up with my shit <laughs> thanks for not leaving me <laughs> yeah right no but it, it's 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 funny because it, it's very easy to get really wrapped up in what we're doing and the day-to-day -day with school and, and other careers too. I mean, other people have just a stressful, you know, existence as, you know, as we do. It's just a different perspective. It's a different... Uh, well, and I, I just, I look at, and sorry listeners if you're hearing these it's random little, noises. My, my cat, Sammy, is fucking jumping all over me like crazy. She's a cuddle monster Aww. and she's the most needy cat I've ever met in my she's life. Like, I, want I love cats. her to death. But my God. I want okay. pets. Um, pets now. Pets. Here, you take this monster. Okay, all right. Um, I so, well, why I think this podcast is great. I think we got on this topic of, you know, mental health, mental health illnesses, mental illnesses, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they're not easily cured. And Some they're say they're not, not really fixed. cured. I, yeah. I, I think a lot of them aren't going to be cured because it's it's a disease like diabetes. I've heard that analogy many times. You can't cure diabetes. Well, so what um, I want to ask is, <laughs> you know, you mentioned you had grades and mm -hmm. how it was well managed. Mm -hmm. And so are you still dealing, I guess, with... Absolutely. Okay. I'm still dealing with that. It is just as much of a struggle as it was at the beginning, trying to figure out what your thyroid levels are. Because your thyroid, unless you have it surgically removed... Your blood levels of that hormone don't just go away overnight. Mm. And so you have to constantly be getting blood work to try to figure out where uh, they need to be. Because even though I don't have a functioning thyroid, there's still some tissue there. You can actually still feel it when you do a palpation. But um, it doesn't produce as much on a daily basis. So I yeah. have to supplement with Synthroid. And I have to be on that the rest of my life. I, yeah. I will die if I don't have that. Basically, I'm sure it'll take a while, but it, it's 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 a it's a hormone that your body needs for metabolism. And if you don't have it, your everything goes all crazy. And so I've had to struggle with hypothyroidism, which is the other end of the yeah. spectrum after having this removed. And that I think also is it, it, you actually see more hypothyroid systems that kind of overlap with depression as well. Mm. So again, I feel like I'm a bloody hot mess with all these things going on. But of course, a person isn't just their disease. A person isn't just their symptoms. There's a whole plethora of things going on in their life that influence. And it's like, what's influencing what? Was it the graves first? Was it this? Was it that? Did I always have depression? I don't know. Maybe whatever. But well, at the same time, I'm okay. going to interject here. Okay, interject. Because I strongly disagree that you're uh, redhead hot mess, or however you put it, <laughs> How, or ginger hot mess, ginger however hot, you want to. Because 
listen. I like to I like to kind of think about death, but not necessarily in bad ways. And I like to say that I'm dying every single day because in reality <laughs> we, we are. are dying every single day. Mm-hmm. Yes. So each and every one of us has organ systems that are failing on us, just maybe slowly. <laughs> yes, yeah. very very true. So, I love it. I love so it. I yes. kind of look at it like I almost look at graves. Like in many ways, graves helped you maybe manage, or at least take a philosophy of managing your mental health. Of yes. Like, it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away. And I'm going to yeah. have this mm-hmm. forever because what a lot of people, a lot of people see me and they think, and maybe even see you and they think they have all their shit together or I have all my shit together. Oh, he has bipolar disorder, but he must be cured. He got into med school. You know, he's right. on YouTube or freaking whatever. Well, everybody loves you at school too. You're like, everyone's like, oh, Logan, you know? So it's like, you know, Fine. it's, it's But great. either way, yes. they don't know they that don't I, know. I yeah. don't have my shit all together. Exactly. And there are nights that I, I struggle to get three hours of sleep and I lay there and I'm frustrated. Right. Um, mostly before exams. And, of course. Of course. Um, Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Yeah. But no. even, Ugh. even then there's just other triggers that force me to have, uh, insomnia and, you know, I still have, uh, symptoms of mania sometimes, mm-hmm. the hypomanic states of mind, uh, that can be good and bad. Mm-hmm. But it's, I remember I had this kind of pivotal moment with my therapist one session and it was the best and the best thing he probably ever could have said to me in the world. I remember I was so pissed off about my anxiety and I was like, doctor, like, when is this just going to go away? Oh, I know. Oh, and oh my God. what did he Oops, say? Sorry. It's never. never. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, you can't, you have to set expectations. And it's so important. He's like, your expectation can't be zero anxiety. Mm -hmm. Your expectation needs to be, I'm always going to be improving this. And I was part of this bipolar and depression support group in Sacramento. And it was called balanced. Mm -hmm. And I really, really just like that analogy because we would always just make jokes about how we were all these bipolar people trying to stand on this, (laughs) this line and balance ourselves. And you're never going to balance yourself perfectly. You're always going to have to make these adjustments Mm -hmm. and figure out how to get back to your baseline normal of being, you know, not. What's in the name? Manic or sad? Yeah, now what's in the name? Bipolar. It means there's two opposite poles. Yeah, and 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 you're just never going to be still, and it's always Mm -hmm. a moving target. And so I think, in many ways, I know you've had so many struggles with these thyroid issues, but I think maybe it's helped your management of your mental illness. Mm -hmm. And going back to how I initially interrupted you, (laughs) you were not a hot mess. Mm -hmm. You know, you're killing it, passing your medical school classes, in a happy marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, you have your pilot license. Not yo, no, no, not yet. Not oh, yet. not no, yet. No, 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 oh, no. oh, okay. No, that's a ways to go. That's a long ways to go, and that's a whole other podcast. Either way, either oh. way, it's a, it's another thing on as, the horizon. Let's go with that. It's on the horizon of something I'd like to do. Okay, and that's a goal. So okay, yes, fine. Yes. Either way, in my eyes, you're a pilot, Laura. <laughs> oh no, and I'm sure your husband up there in the skies have been like, "All right, you're flying right now. I'm not oh. doing anything. I'm going to drink." Oh no, but, <laughs> but okay, so. He doesn't love you know, as much e- as I think I should. <laughs> either way, it, it sounds like we're kind of both in a similar state of mind where we had mental health issues and significant mental health issues. And we were able to improve on those and obviously be successful. We both gained admission to medical school. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of realizing we, we need to get back to um, our best mental health practices. Mm-hmm. So I think this is really the most appropriate part of the podcast when we try to dish out some advice. Okay. So, you know, from your story, it seemed like you ignored your issues for a very way too long, long time. Yeah. I, I think that is 
if I'm going to, I might interrupt you there because that is something I wanted to, you know, as I've been talking to you is something I wanted to say to people is I'm a stubborn bitch. I, 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 I'm independent. That's how I've always been. I wanted to dress myself when I was little. I was, I've always like, I am going to do it myself. I'm going to do it out my way. I'm going to do it myself. Well, fuck that. You need other people to help you. Yeah. <laughs> so honestly, you really need to everyone out there. If you are struggling in any way, Please do not be afraid to go to talk to somebody. Do not hold it in as long as I did because, I mean, I could have kept holding it in and God knows I probably would not be in medical school now for sure or or married or I would have done something stupid. And, you know, so if anything we can take away from this is please don't be afraid. Don't, you know, get over yourself of like, oh, no, I'll fix it myself. You're not going to fix it yourself. It's not. That's just not how it works. And. Just suck it up. <laughs> suck it up, buttercup. And yeah. no, but on the serious note, though, it really does. It, it's it's not something you can isolate yourself and deal with by yourself. And I waited way too long. And I probably could have, if I'd gotten help sooner, I probably would have already been a doctor by now. Yeah. Or already, done, you know, gotten my pilot's license mm-hmm. or whatever. Because honestly, it, it would have kept, it would have made me be a better version of myself earlier. And and I'm thankful that I'm on that trajectory now, and I'm working forward. And it's and I'm I know not everything's going to go perfect, or maybe the way I want it to. That's just life. But please, just make sure if you're starting to feel like you just can't deal with day to day, or even I don't even know. Just like I said, I feel like it needs to be a requirement to just talk to somebody before you even graduate high school, and not like a cheesy you know counselor for you know, your future career trajectory. I mean, just any mental health. Like, I, I just think everyone would benefit from talking to someone. And Well, yeah. and and talking to someone. So, talking to so someone. Not I, necessarily needing a psychiatrist. Not everyone's going to have a diagnosis. You okay, took the I'm words gonna, out of my mouth. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys right now. I'm actually not on any medication at this point. Okay. I've gone off of it. Part of the reason is because of pilot licensing. You actually... Oh, really? Yes. That's actually one of the reasons why I tapered off is hmm. is because if I want to pursue this, you actually cannot, you have to be not under, I don't remember exactly what the FAA rules are, but it, it's, you can't be under any kind of substance for six months, I believe. Wait, so you're telling me I can't be a pilot? You, cu- you could. This is some bullshit. Laura. I know, I know. It, there are rules. There, FAA I want to be a race car driver anyway. That, so and, and I understand why it's the way it is. It's, some of it's very archaic, and hopefully, as future physicians, we can change a lot of that because I think a lot of it. I mean, you don't. You can't be a pilot if you're on like lisinopril, basically. Either. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of um, heart medications because they don't want you keeling over, having a heart attack yeah. in flight. You know, that, I mean, a lot of it's that. But, you know, that's a, another reason why I was like, one of my goals is to taper off because it really, I, I don't want to go into this bag of worms, the meds I was on now kind of stopped working. <laughs> I don't want to say stopped working, but it was just like, it it actually was causing more harm than good. And I feel like, okay, and I, I don't advocate doing this on your own. Please don't. Um, if you are on medication, don't just go off of it, but, you know, just get guidance on that. And I decided, you know, to make sure that this is something I can do. Did you do it with the help of a medical professional? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, I I talked about it with my endocrinologist too, and it was like, okay, you know, and I'm, I'm stable thyroid wise right now too. And I I think that's the other part of it is like, it's complicated. Pharmacologically, it's complicated. But I was only on one med, too. I'm, yeah. I'm not on, like, a multitude of different psych, 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 psychotropic meds or anything. So um, 
and I've been doing fine. So, I mean, I'm, I'm under a lot of stress, obviously. But again, I think a lot of it is I need to recheck in with my therapist. I need to have the the talk therapy. I think that benefits me more at this stage in my life anyway versus yeah. having the medication. Um, well, and it sounds mm-hmm. like you're open to the medication again I am, in the future. Yes. Um, and I am, yes. Need be. Exactly. Uh, I just think I want to try it without, and again, to, you know, if I want to pursue getting a pilot's license, that's another thing that I yeah. have to, unfortunately, in this day and age, is part of what's, you know, part it of licensure. It, it is what and, it is. And, you so, know. And that well, might that might change, but again, I and if it doesn't, that's fine too. I'm I'm happy just being a passenger up there, you know, and just you know that's fun too. That's it's not yeah, it's not like it's the end of the world. I mean, I still have the opportunity to go up there and you know and tour around and have it's fun. great. So, uh, but well, yeah. what I really think I kind of see in both of our stories is our first conversations about mental health were with medical professionals. Yes, and I don't think that's. Good. Like, I, I wish more people would, of course, seek mental health care from mm-hmm. professionals, but I wish that wasn't the first conversation that they had. Right. And so, you know, hearing your story and even looking back at mine, I know you were struggling socially in high school, but like, if you could have talked to a parent or maybe a counselor just at uh, your school or a teacher you were close with, mm-hmm. a close friend, or, you know, I wish looking back on my struggles, I wish I could just. I, I would have had fr- or I had friends that would have listened. Yes. And I chose not to talk to them. And so mm-hmm. that for me is the biggest problem with the stigma. And that's really why I want to do this podcast mm-hmm. is just it. Yes. Talking to a medical professional is going to help you, but that's not the only person that's going to help mm-hmm. you. It's your friends. It's your family. It's the people that love you. They're, they're not going to disown you because you have a mental illness. Oh, and you'd be surprised they're, that they're probably dealing with something themselves and then maybe they are just as scared to talk about it. Exactly. And you have no idea because they don't want to talk about it either. That's, that's been a very big epiphany of mine too, finding that you are really not alone out there with this stuff. You really, really aren't. And, like I said before, you know, trying to put yourself in what another person's, what are they going through right now? What what kind of issues are they dealing with possibly to make them make the decisions that they're making and their actions to, are they just having a bad day or is this just, is this their, you know, their brink that they're ready mm-hmm. to just go over? You know, you don't know. And it's, um, yeah, it's opening up to friends, to, you know, people that you already trust. They trust you. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be friends with you. Yeah. You know, and if, and then, you know what? If they, you know, are shitty about it, then it's like, then let them go. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many, there's a, there are how many billion people in this world out there? And, you know, the, the loss doesn't say you have to be friends with that same person for the rest of your yeah. natural born life. And, and I mean, <laughs> posting, posting on YouTube about my bipolar disorder, you know, I, I, it has just allowed me to meet so many other people like you mm-hmm. who are willing to talk about their mental health, who are going through struggles similar to me. And, you know, I just wish I did that video decades earlier. Right. Yeah. Um, but so that I think is a good way for us to kind of conclude here is, okay. is, you know, seek out care when you need it. But, you know, maybe even start smaller than that. Mm-hmm. Just start with a family member, a close friend, really anyone you feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. because... In, I think we both would have been maybe in a better situation or gotten care quicker if we had just opened up to someone we felt comfortable mm-hmm. with before uh, me having a psychotic breakdown right. in a manic episode, you before, you know, going in and having that crazy high blood pressure and yes. essentially on the verge of panic attacks. Right. It's like I, I wish both of us could have gotten care earlier. But, 
you know, this is where we are today. Thankfully, we're both going to be in positions of power of uh, being physicians one day. Hopefully, we can encourage our patients mm -hmm. to take better care of them, our, right. uh, themselves. Um, last question. Yes, sir. Laura, you're fantastic. Yes. Oh. I <laughs> am a little biased here. Okay. In that I want every single one of my friends to be a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts or interest or even considering being a psychiatrist one day. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Uh, there is actually a psychiatry residency program in Spokane. That, oh, wow. Um, I'd mean, love to stay in Spokane because it's just a lot easier. I mean, I know that's very unrealistic when it comes to, you know, bidding, but I already, I've already done research into it thinking, okay, that's, it's on my top four. It's, a, it's definitely on my top four. I, I would say it would be family slash internal med, most likely. OBGYN, because those are two, but, and psychiatry and pathology. So I'd say OBG, or I am, internal med, family med are kind of like one for me. They're like, mm -hmm. it's not the same thing, but it's like, if, I don't know, I feel like those two are, I mean, they're all different in little ways, but you know, it's like, but psychiatry, I feel like is definitely on that top four list because okay. it's something that, yeah, I, I feel like you, I feel very passionate about it. And I feel like I want to change how things are. And I why else did I want to become a doctor but to like help people push forward with their lives and make better choices? And I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to teach you, I'm going to show you how to do things and no, no, no. But you know, I feel having some sort of influence and you know, being able to tell people like, hey, you know what, I was there. It's you know, yeah, it's, it's fine. And we're gonna, you're gonna get through this. We're gonna yeah. get through this, and then we're gonna keep moving forward because that's the only direction we have is forward. So yeah, because you cannot stand still. Well. Whatever path you choose, <laughs> I know you're going to be a great physician. Oh, likewise. I know you could be a fantastic <laughs> psychiatrist. I'm a little biased, but um, cheers. Cheers. Thank cheers you. to Mental Health Month. You did a fantastic oh, job, and thank, uh, you, thank you guys all for listening today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And that is a wrap. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Next week, I'll have on my great friend, Tama Barker, and we'll be talking about ADD and why this is really an interesting episode is Tommy doesn't like using any means of medication to manage his ADHD. We're actually going to be talking about attention restoration theory, which in short is getting outside to help you focus. It's a super interesting episode, and Tommy is really knowledgeable about the subject, considering he just got back from Mount Denali. The kid is legit. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you mcdonald's breakfast still hot in the bag appreciate you there's a deal for every morning now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks prices and participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal ba -da -ba -ba -ba.